Hello everyone, welcome to a first episode of But What Do We Know? Just three lads who know nothing really about sports, but think we know everything. Who um, usually just talk in the pub about our favourite teams, what's coming up in the sporting world, putting the world to rights when it comes to sports. And we thought we'd share with you our brilliant insight. But you can't get mad because we don't know anything, hence why the podcast is called But What Do We Know? So just to give you a little bit of information about myself. So my name is Dan. I live in Barry. Um, I'm married um, and have a beautiful little girl um, and a dog. Um, I'm a massive Patriots fan because I grew up uh, just outside of Boston in the US of A. Massive Tom Brady fan. Um, and uh, Gaza has been my longest friend, my oldest friend. Um, and uh, like I said, um, we don't know much about sports, but you know, um, this is um, our podcast. So I'll, uh, I'll let Mike and Gaz introduce themselves. So uh, Mike, uh, again, I'm just a general sports fan. Um, I'll watch sort of any sport um, that, that's going. Um, prefer sports uh, sort of rugby, football, NFL, but I do quite like the Olympic Games when they come up as well because they always they always good for um, a bit of punditry on them from us. Um, I've known Gaza probably 15 years or so um, when we started working together um, and met Dan Ooh, I think when we went to an NFL game in London. Um, I think we met, I think we played basketball together first in Victoria Park in Canton. I'm sure that was a first time. Yeah. Like <laughs> loosest form of the term played basketball. Well, I was saying. <laughs> Correct. I guarded the shade because it was one of the hottest days of the year. And, uh, <laughs> and I think we, we also formed a football, a five-a-side football team. So we, uh, we're sort of three-fifths of a not very successful five-a-side football team. Um, that used to say every week when we lost, we just didn't <laughs> 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 uh, I think you've hit everything on the nail there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a bit about myself. I'm Gaz. Like all sports really so yeah let's so why not do a podcast and just talk absolutely. absolute rubbish and, and and i get slated for it and hopefully people will pay a monthly fee <laughs> so like that i don't have to go to work anymore but let's not get ahead of ourselves Absolutely. Any don- <laughs> yeah, any donations welcome. Um, and that, and we don't mean money; we mean a beer um, or, or strongbow dark fruits, if you like. Um, right. So, guys, today we've got a quite a packed show because it's the um, the dawn of the Six Nations, the uh, the last night in in the whole year where Wales um, are, are unbeaten. <laughs> Yeah, so because after tonight, it's going to be another 365 days before Wales can say they're unbeaten in the Six Nations. That's a bit negative. We'll get on to that. Um, yeah, so packed show. We're going to talk about Wales and the Six Nations. We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. Um, but we're the biggest sports story in the world, to be honest. I don't care if you're in Britain. I don't care if you're in Africa and you're celebrating the African Cup of Nations. Tom Brady retiring from the NFL at the age of 44. Um, 
massive story and it's going to be the subject of our debate tonight which we're going to probably start off with which is um is he the greatest sportsman ever or, or woman um, but he's not a woman um so that's what we're going to discuss we're going to preview six nations discuss the welsh team because we are all welsh um we half welsh um and we'll have a little chat about um uh, the upcoming football as well i believe and anything else that that comes in um at the moment we haven't got any listeners um in the future if you have anything that you would like us to talk about whether that's on next week's show or in the moment you can tweet us um then we'll be more than happy to discuss and give our opinion give our thoughts um mike will have a session every week where he talks about his picks for the sporting week in the gambling world but when the fun stops stop um and gaz well it'll be a it'll be a um a mixed bag it'll be a mixed bag it'll be a challenge to see if we can ask Gaz a question that he doesn't know about sports because he's uh pretty pretty good when it comes to that and so is mike so is mike so we'll have a probably an episode of mike versus gaz every week as well and the winner um gets out of buying the first round so awesome so without further ado guys let's let's start so tom brady has retired this week from the nfl 22 seasons in the league i mean for me the guy is an absolute idol and not just necessarily because of the allegiance that i have to new england um but you just have to look at his accomplishments in the nfl he's you know thrown for the most yards he's thrown for the most touchdowns he's won the most games as a quarterback he's won the most playoff games for a quarterback and of course he's got the most super bowls the team with the most Super Bowls is the Patriots and the Steelers tied at six since the NFL started. Tom Brady's got seven on his own. So my question is, if you don't think he's the greatest sportsman ever, then who do you think is? Mike, I'll come to you first. So, I agree with everything you said. I think legend is, is, a, is a term that's thrown around quite often. But I don't think it's undeserved in Tom Brady. But I've done a little bit of thinking about this and uh, talking with my wife, um, who's just listening, I think, and glazing over when I start talking sport too much. Um, and for me, I've gone for Jason Kenny. Or should I say, Sir Jason Kenny? Okay. So, there's reasons behind this, and I'll get on to that, that he is the great British athlete with the most gold medals in the Olympics at seven, and he also had nine Olympic medals altogether. That mixed with his three gold medals at World Championships, his five silver medals and two bronze medals at World Championships, his one bronze at the European Games, his one gold, two silver and three bronze at European Championships and his two silver at the Commonwealth Games. That totals 11 gold medals, 11 silver medals and six bronze medals. He's also the holder of the most cycling gold medals by an athlete. And in a sport like cycling, the the championships and medals can be won or lost in split seconds. I think if he was to make one small mistake, even at the start of a race, that's his whole championship gone. 
I think in team sports, you can get away with having one bad game and probably get away with making one or two little mistakes and still win a match and still win still win a, a tournament. But at the level like cycling, I think you get your one chance and that's it. And to add to that, in 2008, he was not just the team sprint champion, Olympic champion, he was also the individual sprint champion. And in 2016, again, he was team sprint champion, individual sprint champion, and he was Kieran champion. So he was a triple Olympic champion in one year, in one Olympic cycle. I think, like, I've tried, we've all, we've all cycled. Um, but I just think his achievements over the span of years with especially the Olymp- the Great British Cycling Team in 20, 2008 to 2012 had a target on their back and everyone was trying to beat them and they, they were the team to beat and to still hold his, his form and to win all their medals I think has to be recognised as a great athlete. So I, I haven't heard of him, right? And that might me just that could be me just being ignorant, but just to you know challenge what you just said, that is an amazing career, but you know in American football, first of all, you know it literally comes down to you know one yard is make or break in regards to whether you win or lose. As a Titan, yeah. I know what he had is make or break. Absolutely. 999 Super Bowl. Me. Um, no. But I, I just, the, again, it could be me being ignorant. The fact that I even heard about him as well, and we talk about the greatest sportsman ever, we talk about legacy. Yeah, so whether you follow American football or not, you know who Tom Brady is. I don't know who this guy is. I'm glad you said legacy, because I've got an honourable mention.
for, not athlete. I agree he's an athlete, and that you know you're describing athletes. To be fair, Tom Brady's not necessarily an athlete, but a lot of why he's the greatest sportsman ever is because his physical abilities probably aren't as good as his mental abilities, and that is something that um, I think is why he's been so successful. And this is why we love sport because we all have different opinions on on, on what we what we class as being the greatest or, or what we class as greatness ourselves. Gavin, I'm sure you're going to jump it from the evening now. We're both going to disagree with the name you come up with. So yeah, well, so first of all, I'll I I I, I will just say a few things about Tom Brady. Um, he is an absolute legend, no question about that. Is he the greatest of all time in American football? Yes. Again, there's no question about it. The records speak for themselves. Is he the greatest athlete of all time? Not for no. me. Not for me. No, I agree. I agree. Um, personally, I think Usain Bolt is the greatest athlete of all time. And I will just go through a, I, I will just go through a few things to why I believe he is the greatest. But remember, so, we're talking about sports person. Yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about athlete. I didn't say Tom Brady was the greatest athlete. I said greatest sports person or great, greatest yeah. sportsman. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me to greatest athlete, I'd probably go Michael Jordan or someone else. Yeah. So. I just want to make it clear that I'm, I know that I'm not saying Tom Brady is the greatest athlete. I'm saying yeah. he is the greatest sports person ever to suit up. Yeah. Well, for me, Bolt is the greatest ever. And I will go through... Greatest the- athlete or greatest sportsman? Both. Both for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You've swung for the fence here. Between 2008 and 2016, three Olympic Games, eight gold medals, it should have been nine, uh, but one of his teammates was caught doping. And in the World Championships, four world championships, 11 gold medals. Could have been 12, not should have been 12, but he, he, but he was disqualified for a false start, which is quite ironic, like the fastest man on the planet needed a quick <laughs> start, you know? I, you know, but- It's like uh, giving a Ferrari a jump start, isn't it? <laughs> but for me, uh, especially as Plum referenced, you know, like the Olympic Games is the pinnacle of sport in a lot of people's eyes. And in terms of split seconds, seconds, whatever, or, and the 100 meter sprint, for example, like the whole world knows who the fastest man is o- over the 100 meters. So it's all eyes on you. Who's the fastest man now? Ooh, good question. The Italian guy. <laughs> the Italian guy who won the Olympics. The Italian guy, yeah. The Italian guy. Italian. Who doesn't look that Italian. I'll, <laughs> that, I'm, that's all I'm saying is that he doesn't look that Italian. Um, Careful, but, um, <laughs> but, well, um, I'm, I'm just going to interject, sorry, but um, let me just check some of those stats. So, how often are the World Championships held? 
every two years. Every two years, and how many has he won? He's four. won eleven goals from four championships. So two, four, over eight years, and you say he's, he's won three Olympic over three Olympics as well. He's won goals, or he whatever they won for doping or whatever. He's won eight over three Olympic games. Okay, so three Olympic games is twelve years. World Championships is eight years. Plum, we didn't have a look at the longevity of your guy. I'm going to go back just, you know, to stir the pot because that's the whole point. But Tom Brady's done this over 22 years. He won the Super Bowl in his first year starting, which was the second year in the league. Yeah, and that was in 2001. And then last year, he won his last Super Bowl. He's been dominating for 20 years in a sport which isn't designed for the same player or quarterback or a team to be dominant for that long. In a sport where you get absolutely annihilated, you know, I'm not saying that sprinters and stuff don't go through physical pain or whatever like that. But when you've got 250, 300 pound men coming for you, you know, 40, 50 times a game, 16, 17 games a season, and you're not, you know, and, and you haven't been injured, you've missed one full season. That's all he's missed is one full season in a 22 year career period. That's this again that's you've got to look at the longevity as well and that's why that's again that's why i think he's the greatest sportsman um sportsman other i'm just gonna say can i can i just say what i find really interesting is we've not mentioned any footballers no i i, I thought that well gaz hasn't finished yet i got a feeling he's got another another person he wants no, to say no, no. Um, I, find that, <laughs> I find that quite fascinating because it's one of the, the sports that dominates across the world and the three of us, none of us have, have said that we think any footballer is amongst the they are good footballers and there are legendary footballers, um, but it's interesting how none of us have said that a footballer. I've also got one more honourable mention. Bloody hell. Well, <laughs> it's kind of one, but it's two. Um, oh my God. I, I, I know. One. I know. Um, you nearly got a five-a-side team there of honourable yeah, mentions. Nearly, nearly, nearly. It's like the New Year's Honours list. I know, you, know, <laughs> you know when you say you can only pick one, you know I was going to pick two or three. Um, I just think we need to throw in the likes of Venus and Serena Williams for longevity, totally changing the way that female tennis was played, dominating, and then still into their 40s, winning Grand Slams. That's yeah, a good I mean, shot, I, Yeah, I know. I don't know how successful Venus is. Um, Venus has had medical problems and was still. Sorry, Serena. I didn't know. I, I know um, she's younger and she, I didn't know how successful she was. I know Venus has been, is, you know, is very dominant in regards to sort of up there as a as you know one of the greatest sports or sports persons of, of all time um and i just again, thought just for the titles that she's won i think it totally changed the way that female tennis had been played with up until up until that that stage i don't think it was it, it was ever played with the power game i think a lot of it was was the skill, the, the soft hands, the, the spin, um, the slices, the pop shots. I think this, think, I think this the first to come in and, and, and actually with a power game as well. 
I'd love to watch you commentate a game of tennis. Absolutely love it. I love that. The spin, the slicing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it just sounds like you're doing <laughs> some magic with an onion. Yeah, I never sure then they can put me on speed up. Guys, you got any honourable mentions? I, I'm not going to have an honourable mention because I'm so, you know, you know my feelings. But yeah, I, yeah but um, I, if you got one, yes. Well, my honourable mention is also from the tennis world. Ooh, Roger Federer. R- Roger Federer. Oh, uh, I don't know the exact stats, but he's won a lot. Okay. And although he's been in an era with Djokovic, Murray, Rafa, he's been more dominant across all four Grand Slams overall. Whereas Nadal is mainly just dominated on clay. So for me, Federer and just watching him play is a joy. He doesn't break a sweat. Doesn't break a sweat at all. So that's so that's my honourable mention. I think it's interesting though, because it, you know, I don't know, it, I guess it just shows that there there are a lot of candidates, if you like, for a bit, you know, and there's always, you know, it, there's always going to be debate about who's the goat um, of, of of all time. I think if you were to, I don't know, have a, a Mount Rushmore of you know the goats and of any sport, I think Tom Brady would be up there. I think I think Venus would be on there. Um, and, and yeah, probably Federer from a, from a tennis background as well. Like you say, it's interesting that um, no one's mentioned Michael Jordan amongst us three. I mean, I, I okay, you backtrack. I did said I wasn't going to do an honorable mention, but um, you know, he, he would be um, for me. Um, but yeah, basketball, you got you know Michael Jordan. It is it's crazy that none of us really have used a rugby or football player, but um, again, I just think about the impact on not just the sport, but on society and 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 you know dare i say the world as well so there we go uh, i think it's interesting though it, it, it could lead to debates in the future where we we do narrow it down and we do tunnel in on the greatest rugby player of all time one week the greatest football t- player of, of, uh, of all time one week and um uh, what are you shaking your head for <laughs> Because we're all going to end up arguing about the greatest football of all time. We'll, we'll uh, we're going to end up arguing no matter what we talk about, I think. Yeah. You know, <laughs> What do we know? Right. Anyway, so I think um, we'll leave it there in regards to that. Um, be interesting to see what um, our viewers think of. I'd be. I'd love to. Love to know what they would consider the greatest uh, sports person of all time. Um, so. Before we go on to the Six Nations predictions and talking about the team, uh, Gaz, why don't you uh, hit us up with your quiz and right. um, see how we get on? I actually wrote them down today. No, you just watch that then. <laughs> right, first question. Is it a single on the buzzers or, or is it back tennis questions? Yeah, are we so, going to do this? Yeah. Huh? Are you going to um, choose who's, who's answered? Are we just going to shout out? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The first person is shout out. Okay, right. When Wales won the Grand Slam in 2008, 
How many tries did they concede? Was it A, two, B, five, C, six, or D, seven? I'm going to say seven. Over to you, Plum. Mike. Five? Nope. It wasn't two, I, was it? Yeah. Two. Oh, two tries. Two tries? Wow. I mean, Sean you Edwards, know. Sean Edwards must have been our defence. Sean Edwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, question wow. number two. That's amazing, though. That is amazing. That's amazing. Some stats, isn't it? Some stats. That is a stat. I, I wonder if that's the lowest amount of tries anybody's ever conceded in the Six Nations. That'll be interesting for you to find out, guys, for next I week. I believe it is. Yeah, he's done his research, <laughs> right, That is a phenomenal start. Fair that play. Proud, proud of that start. Right. Okay. Who was the top scorer in both the 2012 and the 2013 Six Nations competitions? They were top scorer both years. Was what, it top try scorer or top point scorer? Just point scorer. Okay. So was it A. Dan Parks, B. Owen Farrell, C. Johnny Sexton, or D. Lee Halfpenny? What were the years again? 2012, 2012 2013. I'll go with Johnny Sexton. Nope. Over to you, Mike. Because I'm Welsh and I don't actually know, I'm just going to say, did you say Liam Williams? Lee, he didn't even hear Lee Halfpenny. Lee Halfpenny. <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose you're right. <laughs> oh, come on. I, 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 at least I listened to the answers. <laughs> I chewed up. I chewed up for a minute. Oh, okay, I'm focused now. Is that a point for me then? <laughs> I really don't know anyone. <laughs> Uh, what is the record for the most tries scored by one team in one Six Nations campaign? What is the record? The, the closest answer. 32. What's your guess, Mike? 17. Dan was closer. Oh, was he? The record is 29, England in 2001. England, it? Yeah, I think they put 12 tries on Italy alone. Yeah, um, I think it was like 80 points to 23 or yeah. something. Yeah, oh, it was that season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. The one Two all, more questions. No, yeah, one, one all, all yeah. Right. Who is the top point scorer in Six Nations history? With five hundred and fifty-seven points, is it A. Halfpenny, B. Wilkinson, C. Neil Jenkins, or D. Ronan O'Gara? So I think it was Jenkins before you said it, but now you give a nose. I think it could be Ronan O'Gara. You know, you are spot on. Yes, good. In. I think if it was five nations and six nations together, it would have been Jenkins. You got it wrong. <laughs> you did get it wrong. You just didn't, it went quick enough. No, I was waiting for you so you'd get it wrong and I could sneak in. Oh, uh, I'm not a one in three champion. 
sneaking with Ronan O'Driscoll or whatever because he weren't listening. <laughs> so, Come all basic, Neil O'Gara. <laughs> yeah. So what's the scores at the moment? Two one. Two one. Don't listen to me. Right. He tried this in futsal as well. He used to tell yeah. the refs. <laughs> Last question. Oh. Who won the very first Six Nations game? Wales. No. Ireland. No. England. No. <laughs> no. Scotland. No. You just said France. No. What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's two all. Italy won what? the first. Italy ever game. won the first ever six. Would they play Scotland? Yes. Okay. See, as it's two all now. Oh no. Tiebreaker. Can you predict or see? Can you guess what the score was in the game when it when Italy beat Scotland? The closest person to the actual score. How did you get it. closest to the actual... Okay. Um, 16-15, Italy. 12-9. No. Well, Dan, you were a bit closer. It was actually 34-20. Bloody hell. Yeah, it was a bit, a bit <laughs> yeah, I thought they just, would have just snuck it by a few points. No. Especially the way both of those teams played back then. All yeah. they did was kick. So I'm surprised by that, you know. But Italy had Tom Collins, Parise, didn't they? They were. Yeah. They were two good players. Diego Dominguez, Flyas. Yeah. Oh, a class player he was. Bergmaster, yeah. is that the, the winger? Who? Who? Was it Bergmaster, the winger? Marco. I thought you said. I think it's Bergpasta. I like, guess <laughs> a bit of a stereotype. Do you, do you remember when? when I definitely heard the word pasta. <laughs> Didn't they, Parisi, didn't they put Parisi a fly half for half a game as an experiment? No, I think they actually put one of the Burgomascos at scrum half against England once, didn't they? And they changed. I know they tried, they tried something crazy like that. Yeah, and they put lasagna in the centre, didn't they? <laughs> Daniel. Anyway, uh, speaking of um, experiments, so Josh Adams is. Um, Gonna be playing outside centre, I believe. Um, uh, is it outside centre? Yes. Yeah. Um, Josh Adams playing outside centre tomorrow. So we've got Liam Williams seventy-four caps, Johnny McNichol eight caps, Josh Adams thirty-five caps, Nick Nick Nip, Nick Tompkins thirty-five, oops, sixteen caps. So I've only had a couple of beers. Uh, Louis Lightning Resamit uh, twelve caps, Stan Bigger ninety-five, Captain Thomas Williams twenty-nine caps, Win Jones thirty-eight, Ryan Elias twenty-three, Thomas Francis six. Will Wilden's 13, Adam Beard 29, Alice Jenkins 14, Tane Basham 7, Aaron Rainwright 34. So that is the Welsh starting lineup um, tomorrow. We were we weren't too far off. Obviously, we didn't we did have Adams named in our top 15, but we had him on the wing 
we had McNichol on the bench. McNichol comes into the the forte and is now on the wing with Adams moving into centre. So it means Jonathan Davis is on the bench. But we did agree that Tompkins would be the other centre. So we were right there. Um, In regards to scrum half, uh, the majority went for Thomas Williams. So while Gaz and and Mike did, I went for Gareth Davis. But that was more who I thought should start as opposed to who I thought would. and then we had agreed on Aaron Wainwright, we agreed on Tane Basham, we agreed on Alice. So we pretty much had it spot on, lads. So well done. Um, I say well done. If we get tanked tomorrow, then we look just as daft as Pivak. But <laughs> but then again, you can only play who you got. Um, and it's going to be a, a tough game tomorrow. Um, everybody is writing Wales off. I don't know if you've you know paid much attention to the press this week. Um, I guess understandably given the autumn with Ireland's wins against you know, um, well New Zealand obviously but they also beat Argentina and I think it was Georgia um, but certainly beating New Zealand the um, power that they showed in that game um, is going to be a bit worrying tomorrow so I, I guess the situation is what do Wales need to do to, to, to get a result in Dublin guys um, try and get the game called off somehow. <laughs> um, I really don't fancy Fire our alarm chances. Fire alarm in the Irish hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't fancy our chances tomorrow. Um, like a lot of the media do seem to have written us off, and like I can see why. To be honest with you, there's a lot of experience missing from the front five, especially. Uh, Ireland squad looks pretty strong, especially their pack. Uh, I think they're going to try and grind out a victory, but I think the last 20 minutes, I think they'll probably do us and make the score look more convincing than it probably would normally look in a Wales Island game. Normally tight affairs, so I don't know what you guys think. Um, Mike, I mean, what what do you think Wales need to do um, to win? I think they need to keep the ball on the field. I think, as Gala said, alluded to, that they do have a very experienced front row, so very experienced. Probably they want lots of stoppages. They'll want to scrum against the Welsh team because I think they'll have the upper hand. They'll want lineouts. I think they'll challenge the Welsh lineouts, and I can see at least two lineouts being turned over. Um, and going back to the Autumn Internationals, Wales did have two great attacking lineouts. Um, and they turned the ball over twice to use an NFL phrase in the red zone. Um, I'm I'm not as pessimistic as a lot of I've read in the press about Adams being outside centre. This hasn't been something that's just been thrown together. I think they've had a few weeks of training, and I think he would have probably, well, I would have liked to have thought, and if I was in the coach's situation, I would be priming him for that position. With knowing how many other players are injured. And I would say that I would not be surprised if the game wasn't going Wales' way, that McNichol and Williams will swap positions, which might throw a different dimension because McNichol is much happier at fullback. Um, and Liam Williams is quite a competent winger. But then again, what do I know? 
Interesting. I mean, I, I wanted to talk about, I mean, I, I, I think that probably both of you know a bit more about rugby than me. I think I do know quite a lot about rugby, but as a compliment to you guys, I think you probably know a bit more. But I agree that it's going to be a very tough ask. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's the... I, I love the psychology behind sports, right? And I just think, you know, if I'm Wales at the moment, you know, we're not just tipped to get smashed tomorrow. We're tipped to be pretty much playing, uh, you know, a wooden spoon playoff game, you know, at the end of, you know, in the middle of March, it's going to be either us or Italy who have the wooden spoon. So I just think if you're a coach and if you're a player as well for Wales at the moment, you've got to be using that you've got to be really using that energy just to think wow that's that's really gonna um spur me on and i know that it takes more than just you know um like a want to win and a fire in your belly to, to pull out a result but i just think it wales have always played better when they're the underdogs you know and they're just getting absolutely so you know again written off tomorrow i just I don't know if I'm setting myself up for fail, yeah, but I just got a feeling um, that uh, the the Wales, I don't know, they could do. I say could do something, or like Gaz said, they might just keep it close, and then and then uh, you know they they um, might just lose it in the last quarter, you know. So um, it, it'll be interesting. I think um, I'm excited. I mean, Ireland are very physical. They're going to win it on the rack. I think um, that's where we need to make sure they don't win it. I think I think having Josh Adams, though, in centre and having Louis Samets uh, in the wing. Nip, Tom, Nip, Nip, Nick Tompkins. I mean, he's quite creative. Um, questions are going to be on his defence. Um, obviously, Liam Williams, Johnny McNichols in form. So... You know, I think there's some creativity and pace there in the back line. You know, I say back line the, in the backs. Um, and again, not to say that Ireland haven't got that pace or creativity, but I, I think it'll be a closer game than a lot of people are saying. Um, I think and, the Irish defence. I think, I think our back three running onto a ball is going to be a ha- is a handful for any team. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, you, you know, and the one thing that I've not seen a lot of, and I don't know whether it's a conscious thing with international fly halves or they're just not used to it, is I've not seen much of the 40-22 kick being used. Now, I watch a little bit of a rugby league where they've been doing the 40-20 for a long time. Um, and I know the Welsh lineup isn't particularly strong, but I don't know whether we need to make more use of the 40-22 just to get some territory. Because if you're going to make a mistake or give a penalty away, at least give a penalty away 22 yards from their line rather than 22 yards from your line. Mm. Make them attack you from 80 yards. If they do get a turnover, are the chances of them going 80 yards in one phase are very low. Before um, this last Autumn International Series, um, does anybody know what year Ireland last beat New Zealand? Yeah, it was in America in a friendly like a year before. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah, so so actually, um, Ireland beat New Zealand sixteen uh, nine in the two thousand and eighteen Autumn Internationals as well. Mm. Right now, the reason why I'm saying that is who won the Six Nations in twenty nineteen? 
Wales. Wales, right? So I guess the point. Do that I get I'm getting a point for that? Do I get a point for that? <laughs> well, the point that I'm trying to make is um, that you know, Ireland have beaten New Zealand twice in the last sort of five or six years, and both times in, in autumn internationals, and in the Six Nations in 2018, Wales beat Ireland. Right? When everybody was just like, oh, well, Ireland will beat us, they beat New Zealand. Um, and I'm just doing my research now as we speak. And yep, 2017, Six Nations, Wales beat Ireland 22-9. I think I was at, I was at that game, actually. Um, Wales beat Ireland 22-9. And again, that was the, the Six Nations right after the November International in 2016, where um, Ireland beat New Zealand in Chicago. Um, 40 points to 29. So there's something that not many people um, probably have looked to do their research. I know it probably means nothing, guys, but um, listening to everything this week, there's a little bit of a pattern. Every time Ireland beat New Zealand, when they play Wales afterwards, they lose. So maybe there's, an omen, there's a good omen for us. Maybe that's what we've got to hang on to. But my my prediction is going to be, um, and we'll finish off here, my, my prediction is going to be 28 to um, 16 to, to Ireland, even though I, I so all that rubbish I just said about I got a feeling Wales might nick it. You know, my head says 28 16 to Ireland. Um, so, Mike, what, what's your prediction scoreline? To be honest, I haven't really see, I'm, I'm conflicted because my my rose tinted or, or black, black fruit cider glasses tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> We'll say Wales Wales victory, but I think as as someone looking at it impassionately as a sports fan, you've got to say Ireland. But I do think twenty six twenty to Wales. Ooh, wait a minute! You just said I've got to use my thing as a sports fan and use my no head no no. I'm I'm got I'm. I'm not going to apologise for being a passionate Welsh supporter. Many yeah, but times. like, like I said, you know, I, I, I got, I really think Wales might. I, something in me says Wales are doing, and and you know, like you, I would love it more than anything if Wales won, but I still can't logically see it happening. But that's fine. Twenty-six twenty, Gaz. I've got a feeling it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be Ireland's. 24-16. So, just over a try ahead. No. Yeah. Ireland is going to target our line-outs. And yeah, I think so. And the scrums. I think the line-outs and the scrums. I think the scrums, we might hold our own a bit. But the line-outs and the driving malls is really what's going to affect us and keeping people on the pitch and not in the sin bin. And this is what I'm going to say, because everybody is saying we only won last year our games because the opposing opponents were down to 14 players. When you enter the field, and they're blaming the referee, and I think that's unfair to blame the referee, because the referee's not the one who's shouldering into someone's head or charging in late. If you're going to do that as a player, you're leaving the referee no decision. Mm. And even if the referee makes the wrong decision, it's going to go upstairs to the TMO. He's going to go, let's look at this again. In the like the Scarlet's game last Friday night. Yeah. 
and, and I think I think that there is so much the referees are under so much pressure of a duty of care to the players' safety on the pitch. But I think the players need to take responsibility for that. And you can only play what's against you. So if a player has been sent off for foul play, well that's all part of the game. Mm. You yeah. know, we would we would if it happened to Wales and we get a player sent off, we're gonna grumble, we're gonna moan about it. But deep down we know that if someone's come in from ten yards and they've gone shoulder straight into the top of someone's head to clear them out and they're going straight off their feet. At the end of the day, we can't... (laughs) (laughs) Gaz, you're laughing, I think, for the same reason I am, which is, you know, in in, 15, 16 hours' time, we're going to have Plum, like, we're going to be restraining him. Wim Jones is going to be having a yellow card and Plum's going to be throwing the TV off the wall in the pub and being like, ref! You know, you're blind and things like that. And we'll have to remember, we, we've got this recorded now, remember, Mike? So, you know, be careful you know what, what you say. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I'm I, saying that, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. <laughs> I'm there with a cliche. I love here. that. Cliche, full of cliches. At the end of the day, you can only play what's in front of you. I expect that. I expect that from Gaz, not Mike. Uh, but but uh, awesome, guys. Okay. So, um Good stuff. I think. Um, I think uh, just just a quick whip around the rest of the Six Nation yeah. fixtures for the weekend: Scotland, England. I every again is favouring Scotland. I think you know Scotland are good, but I, I th- still think you know England you get a few injuries. But um, it's going to be a great matchup between Finn Russell and Marcus Smith. Smith yeah. mind, but uh, I, I think England will win it. You know they uh, they lost it last year. I think um, they had a really good autumn. Um, you know, I hate to admit it, but I think England, you know, uh, look really good. So I, I think England will win. I think it'll be close, but again, I'll say um, it'll be. I, I don't think Scotland will score too many tries. Maybe one. I'll say um, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen. I'll say twenty-one points to thirteen to England. I will. I think Scotland by eight. I think. I think the the the, the Scotland. They'll they'll get at Smith. I know he's a good player, but I just think like Finn Russell is that one player you don't want playing against you. Um, and I know we talked about him before when we in the pub and he when he was the when he was in the Lions team. And I think when he's good, he's very good. But yes, he's also likely to possibly overstep the mark with discipline. I think if they can keep if they can keep Finn Russell on the pitch, I think they'll just have slightly too much. Experience for the England team, so I can see. I see Scotland by eight. Yeah, I've looked at the two sides, and the Scotland side looks a bit more settled. It seems like England have gone for like a mixture of experience and some newish players who like, I don't think have played together. So I think that might count for something tomorrow. Scotland at home should give them an edge. Scotland but the, the Scott, but but the Scottish ads very good at being favourites. Uh, but I think the Merrifield factor just just about gives them the edge. So I'd say Scotland eighteen, England fourteen. Okay. Well, you know, I won't spend much time on France, Italy. I mean, we'll probably have to have a debate actually over the next few weeks and whether or not we should keep it as Six Nations or go back to a five or have a relegation uh, a table or something like that because um, I can't really see Italy. If Italy do 
lose this game by less than 20 points, I'd say they should be happy with that because the way France have played in the Autumn Internationals and I can't really see this being anything. I mean, I, I'm probably not even going to watch it. I probably shouldn't be saying on a sports podcast, but I plan on having a day of rugby tomorrow with you two, but Sunday will probably be a, a day with my girls. Um, I'm not going to bother really tuning in for it. <laughs> so um, my predictions: France by by 30. You, you kind of left me nowhere to go. I, I think France, <laughs> to be honest, I think France are the favourites for the Six Nations since Sean Edwards has come in. I think they've always been they've always been dangerous attacking runners, and I think he's just solidified the defence. I think we were talking, we were watching the last Six Nations, um, and when you see the French defence, you very much see the Welsh how the Welsh were defending three or four years ago. Um, and it's it's a solid and, and as Gareth's stat earlier proved when they only conceded two tries in one of the championships, you know it's a tried and tested format. I, I I can see France by 30 or 40. Um, for me, they're going to win the Six Nations. I wouldn't be totally surprised if Italy don't score a single point in that game. Um, like last season against Wales, I think was it last season or the season before where they didn't score a point um, in 80 minutes. And, and, you know, I think the French discipline has got a bit better um, on there. However, I always chuck a quid or something on Italy because they're always massive odds. And they have beaten France in the past. I think we forget that. So, like, it's my real long That was a much worse French team, though. It was a much worse French team, so I'm going to get much better odds. But I just, I just, it's always worth a quid. And if it comes in, then that'll be, that'll be beer money for the, uh, for the oh, following week. Gaz, I got a question for you, right? Just on the back of what Plum said. If Sean Edwards was still with Wales at the moment, would that change your prediction for tomorrow for Wales Island? Oh, that's a question. That, that's a good and, question. I know, mate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it it probably wouldn't change the outcome, but it'd be a lot closer. It would be like one or two points in it. Mm. Yeah, it just obviously came to me that question when, when Mike was talking about Sean Edwards and, and how we defended three or four years ago mm. because... Again, it's a topic for another podcast, but, you know, Pivak, uh, yes, he won the Six Nations last year. Does, you know, and that probably gave him or saved him. Uh, I say saved him, but obviously we had a disastrous autumn before that in 2020. You know, we've got the 2023 World Cup. It's coming. It's coming up quick. Um, you know, so how much does the Six Nations put pressure on Pivak to deliver a good Six Nations ahead of the, the uh, Rugby World Cup? For me, I think, and I'm going to be shot down here, I think performance and how they play this Six Nations is more important than the result, personally. <laughs> I love how he paused then. He paused. Because <laughs> he was expecting us to be like, wow. I was expecting like, I... backlash. No, I'm with you. I'll be honest. I, 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 um, I hate to agree. <laughs> no, but I uh, no, I'm with you, Mike, because I think you know you're right. It, you know, you, 
you've got to use these tournaments to build. And as long as there's progress, and like you say, it doesn't necessarily mean the result. But the whole reason they got Pivak in was because that he was supposed to be had this idea of playing expansive rugby. Now, you know that's not going to come overnight, but you would expect over a couple of years for it to come in. He's got some young blood in there now. He's in a way got a bit of a um, a green light, not to lose, but to experiment because it's been taken out of his hands with all the caps experience and injuries that we have and have lost. Um, you know, so he has got uh, a license to, I'm not gonna say a license to thrill, but he's got a license to, to get away with trying some new things. So I think as long as there's a bit of passion and there's a bit of creativity and we try some things, that's all I mean, you know, looking at tomorrow as well, if, as long as it's not an absolute thumping and, you know, even if we lost, but we scored some really decent tries and we were competitive at the breakdown, um, then, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd enjoy then having a couple of beers afterwards and not being miserable and watching the Scotland and England game thinking, well, you know, we, we gave it a good shot there. So, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Gaz, I don't know what your thoughts are, but. Yeah, well, um, I do think with Wayne Pivak um, I think that well I don't think that he knows his best side yet I think he's still trying to figure it out in his first year there's obviously like Covid problems and all that rubbish Um, so that affected team selections and game game fixtures um but I think he, I think he came under a lot of pressure early on because the performances weren't that great, um, and we weren't winning either. So obviously we double the pressure. Obviously coming after Gatlin's, they 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 are big shoes to fill, um, and. Even though <laughs> he knows what he's doing because he's got a little smirk on his face, he knows. Oh, I just got away with a cliche there. <laughs> Didn't get away with it. I like. I just think that because he was under pressure the first year or two, he sort of tried to blend his style and Gatlin style together, and it hasn't come off. You know, he sort of went back to like a safety. Mark. Warren Ball. I think he went away from what he believed in, or yeah. his rugby philosophy, basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think he went back to a bit of Warren Ball, which was, you know, kicking for uh, um, territory, wasn't it? Um, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think that's really his style, but it's not going to change overnight when you've got Gatland and in place for how many years he, he did have is going to be indoctrinated in the Welsh players this particular philosophy of how you play so you know listen I think you know we unless you know we do get a wooden spoon and there's just no guile and no sort of creativity this performance then uh, sorry this tournament then you got to give him another year you got to let him you know build over the summer got the autumn internationals and then next year Six Nations is going to be obviously a key um, we, we know for momentum, if you think back to the 2019 uh, Grand Slam Six Nations that we won, you know, that was played a massive part in how far we got in the World Cup. I have no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, we've got to give him a chance. It'll be an interesting Six Nations. 
Um, I'm really looking forward to it, though. I just think, you know, just as a rugby fan in general, yeah, we've heard, we've heard about it now for a few months, but apart from Italy, it's anybody anybody could really win it. They really could, couldn't they? And it's been a while since the Six Nations has been five teams could win it. If, if ever, in fact, has it ever been in since Six Nations? Has there ever been five teams who could win it? Really, like seriously contend for it? There's maybe been four, yeah. definitely been three, always usually two, and and you know, um, maybe, maybe sometimes one. But very rarely is there like, oh, they're going to walk away with it. I mean, even this year, France are favourites, but they're not. You know, oh, no one's going to touch them. You've got France is playing well, Ireland. So usually it's two, maybe three teams that you think could compete really four but never been five to my memory but I, I'm pretty sure there hasn't been five in Six Nations um, so it, it could be the best tournament yeah let's hope so alright then lads well it's been an absolute pleasure I, I think there's a few things we can take away to bring over to next week we got the predictions for the game so we'll analyse the the rugby next week um, and we'll have a preview of the Super Bowl and of course if um, anybody watching has got a topic that they want us to s- discuss or want uh, to share their thoughts on anything we've discussed tonight then then please uh, share the uh, email address for the podcast will be below um, but thanks for watching guys and um, to Mike Gaz I look forward to seeing you at the pub tomorrow um, yeah so um Gaz Over and out. Well. What's that? Gaz was wrong first. He's pretending he can't hear me. Yeah, because it because the last week's quiz, wasn't it? So it yeah, absolutely. All right then. Have a good night, guys. Thanks everybody for watching. See you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. That was good. <laughs>